Our scripture readings this morning, I'm going to take um, some executive privilege. I'm going to call an audible this morning and swap the, uh, the order of the readings, the Old Testament for the New. Both of the readings will come into play in the sermon, but it is slightly more heavily weighted toward the Old Testament, so we'll save that for our second reading. The first then will come to us uh, from the Gospel of John. It's uh, the very first nine verses in his Gospel. Uh, the wonderful two-thirds of the preamble to the Gospel, the fourth Gospel, the beautiful prose from John. Again, you're invited to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to that light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 61st chapter. This morning we'll hear the opening four verses. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And release to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn to Zion, in, in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Well, in just a week's time, we will find ourselves on the doorstep of Christmas. Christmas Eve, when 
Joseph and Mary's journey from Nazareth in Judea to Bethlehem in Judah was complete. When the days were accomplished for Jesus to be delivered. A birthing space that was meager but adequate had been obtained. Everything was ready. The world in solemn stillness lay on a silent night beneath the disk of the Milky Way and the shooting stars of the Geminids. Included in that canopy was one new and very bright celestial light. The recent shiny addition to the heavens was a portent of an impending royal birth. And even the star or the planet or the supernova or the comet, whatever it was, was going to give its light as a tribute to the light of the world. Our Old Testament reading this morning came from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Earlier in this same book, he describes a people who walked in darkness and who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. And he foretold of one day when they would receive illumination from a great light. As Christians, we believe the word of God revealed in scripture and flesh is the truth. And it is a truth that is beautifully summarized in the gospel according to John, a truth that is Jesus, a truth that is the great light which God shone onto and into the world. The omnipotent creator's masterful work of new creation, which recalled his masterful work of creation that we read about in the Genesis account when he first called forth and sent out light into the darkness that covered the face of the earth. In Jesus, John tells us, this light has a new form. And that form is in fulfillment of our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. This is the very text which Jesus reads when invited to teach in his hometown synagogue. And after Jesus stands up and reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, rolls it back up and hands it to the leader of the synagogue, he, he sat down. And the people there wondered where the sermon was to follow the teaching, that is, of his day. His people, he announced, need not hold out any longer to witness the fulfillment of these words from prophecy. He is the one who will do these things. This is what his preaching and his teaching ministry was all about for those who are willing to believe, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus, the light of the world, has come for this, 
from his birth, that which we are getting ready to celebrate once again, up to his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, throughout his time and flesh and dwelling in the midst of this world, Jesus was the source of divine light that briefly shone in all the dark places. And when he departed from his friends, he promised them that he would not leave them orphans, but he would send them a helper to continue to carry out the things he had been doing to keep the lamp lit. He gave those who comprised the body of Christ remaining on earth a portion of his light with which to carry out his commission. We, we who are today members of that great cloud of witnesses testifying to the Messiah's birth, atoning sacrifice, and victorious rising from the grave, we are the ones who have clear direction for how to live and what to proclaim as we carry on the legacy of our head. Christmas, it means many things to many people. The holiday celebrations that occur feature food, friends, family, and gifts. But as Christians are aware and as even the Grinch himself found out, perhaps Christmas means something more. It marks the beginning of a life that would change all lives. As those who continue to reap the benefits of the changes wrought beginning on that first Christmas, may the gifts that we give to friends and family alike and to those who are neither to us look something akin to the presence that Jesus was delivering in fulfillment of this promise from Isaiah. Through the illuminating power of his Holy Spirit, we are called and we are equipped to continue to be the bearers of good news, of glad tidings, of exceedingly great joy, even in our own world of darkness. The desire of the nations continues to be sought after even by those who don't recognize precisely what it is they're looking for. The hope of the world instills a hope in us that we need to share with everyone, for despair is rampant, and the hope that we've been given is indeed the only antidote there is. This, this is the great gift that we have to give, at Christmas and every other day of the year. It's the greatest gift we've been given and the greatest gift that we can give to anyone else. Speaking of giving gifts, as I mentioned in our announcements this coming Tuesday night, you're welcome to join us. There'll be a bunch of us going over to Holly Grove and boarding a bus with members of that congregation. Together, we'll be making the rounds of our neighborhoods, stopping at various houses, disembarking at driveways, making our way up to people's lawns and on their porches, 
making a joyful noise to the Lord by way of Christmas carols, bringing tidings of comfort and joy to those we visit. And just imagine for a moment if we all did that every day. Maybe not with the school bus, and maybe not necessarily with song, depending on how you sing. But imagine if we went throughout our neighborhoods of family, of work, of travel, gifting all the people that we met with tidings of comfort and joy, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. Imagine how good we would feel having shared so freely of what we have been given to share. A message from the God of all peoples, places, and times. The God of all that is and was and ever will be. A message of comfort and a message of warning. A message of joy and a message of repentance. A message of restoration and a message of rebuilding. A message of a manger and a message of a cross. A message of crucifixion and a message of resurrection. This is the message of Jesus. The one he both preached and embodied for us. And this is the very same message that we who bear his name are called to gift this world. To recall once again his humble entry into our midst in fulfillment of the promise given through Isaiah and other prophets in the Old Testament. To tell of his kingdom, one in which the humble are exalted and the poor are blessed, in which the blind regain their sight, the lame leap for joy, one in which the hungry are fed and the prison doors are opened wide. These are the things Jesus was anointed to declare as he inaugurated the coming of this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And though the kingdom has yet to come in fullness, we are invited to rejoice and to participate in the new order that has begun to break in upon this weary world. We, the people of God, are, in the words of Isaiah, his planting. We have been sown here by our maker for a particular purpose, a very specific reason. There is nothing random about our existence. We are expertly designed and explicitly commissioned to display the glory of the Lord, a glory revealed first to mankind in the form of a babe, Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a cattle stall in a sleepy little town, the most ordinary setting for a most extraordinary birth, the coming to earth of her maker and king, the light of the world. So as we decorate our homes and our trees with strings of light, and as we light the candle in our advent wreath, 
as we sing in a weak, silent night in this darkened sanctuary, lit by dozens of candles held by the congregants. We are encouraging ourselves and our neighbors to live as people of the light, people committed to lightening the burden of our neighbors, to relieving others' suffering, to bringing hope to all those in despair, to those who have not heard or have not believed the good news of Jesus Christ. These are the works of the righteous, which are in themselves a form of sacrifice and worship, even as they are testament to the one who came, that he could perform such deeds for the entire race of sin-sick humanity. In light of this light breaking into our history some 2,000 years ago this Christmas, celebrations and festivities such as the ones we'll be engaged in shortly over in the Fellowship Hall are indeed in order. So too is the sharing of the greatest gift ever to have been conceived and brought forth for us all as the anticipation of this Advent season prepares to give way to the miracle of the Virgin's birth, may we be reminded of the magnitude of that first Christmas. May we not take it for granted, nor fail to share the wonder of the rain that began that day with everyone. This is the greatest gift we can give in return for the greatest gift that we have ever received. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.